Jesus. If you'd open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles here today, to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about what it means to be connected for kingdom purpose. Connected for kingdom purpose. I am, uh, by observation, I believe God has diversified the body of Christ with varied ethnicities and cultures, different social economic backgrounds. And in fact, sadly, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whom I had the opportunity to meet his son, Martin Luther King III, just a few days ago. And I actually sat down and had conversation for a period of time while he was visiting our region. And I was reminded of what his dad said in, in, in his observing that Sunday morning at 11 a.m. is the most segregated hour in America. Sunday morning at 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America. There are other time frames and there are other aspects of uh, society that bring about boundaries and separations and division. But sadly, the one time frame that can be identified by those who study such things is that there is a clear separation. There are clear boundaries. There are clear uh, divisions that are seen, sadly enough, within the church of Jesus Christ within our nation. Often politics, community boundaries, and economics uh, serve as the constructs that reinforce these elements of misunderstanding and as was prayed for just a moment ago, fear. Fear that often invades many of our hearts. And uh, I just believe that uh, true disciples of Jesus Christ must challenge these fears. Uh, We must be willing to embrace biblical patterns that facilitate God's agenda. By a show of hands, how many of you believe that God really does have an agenda? He has a plan. There's something that he's doing, absolutely. And the process begins with the local church. I'll say that again. I believe the process of this healing begins with the local church. That as we change, as we grow, then so our communities change and our communities grow. So I come here today to Bridgeway with a sense of awe but also a sense of hope that God is doing something within this place and within this region that, as I told someone just on last evening after leaving here, uh, ministering in the la- uh, Saturday two celebrations, the two services that were held here, I was riding home and I was speaking to someone on the phone, and I said, I just believe with all that's within me that God has placed Bridgeway strategically in this region to be a house of reconciliation. Amen. I believe that, that this house is a place indeed that God's people can bring others together where there have been divisions and boundaries that have taken place. I, I have to be quite honest with you. Uh, until recently, I was uh, last year appointed to the Board of Trustees at William Jessup University just across the freeway here. But frankly, until that happened, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't come up here much. <laughs> I'm just going to tell the truth and shame the devil. I didn't come up here much. Not even to the Galleria. You understand? 
And, uh, and frankly, I just thought that, well, there's not a whole lot of folks that look like me up here. But then as I'm coming to observe, there are people from different ethnicities that have began to relocate and move into this community. And things, listen, things are a-changing. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> things are a-changing. There's a diversity that is taking place. It is said that the region of Sacramento is the most integrated, Sacramento, greater Sacramento region is the most integrated community within the nation. Many people do not know that. It is the most integrated community within the nation. I believe that is a God thing, that the Lord is doing something. But again, we must take time to examine how this impacts us in ministry and how do we approach this within ministry. Let me look at the text, if I may, in Acts 13, and let's look at it together. I'm going to read and you follow along. And it's here in verse 1 that we begin. Now in the church that was at Antioch, this church is known for sending out ministers, sending out workers into the gospel to do the work of the gospel. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. I want to make mention of these two names, or three names that I've mentioned so far. Barnabas is stated first because many believe that he was a, a lead pastor, a major leader within the church in Antioch. Simeon, who was called Niger, many believe that this was a man of African descent, that he had a pigmentation that would be considered darkened. And then the next gentleman here who's mentioned is Lucius of Cyrene a Cypriot or Cyrenian who would be the first to receive the gospel within the region of Antioch. And many believe this man had a very tawny skin, a very orange and yellowish skin tone. And then we go on to see that mentioned here is Manan, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. These last two that are mentioned, Manan is thought to be the foster brother of Herod. He was raised with Herod. There's something to be said about that because the Herod that they're mentioning there is a very bad man. He's a very, very mean and very cruel man. And yet, Manan, who has been brought up with him, seemingly is brought to an understanding of receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ and becomes one of the teachers of the ministry, teachers of the gospel there in the church of Antioch, which lets me know, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what family you come from, regardless of what part of the hood you're from, if God has a purpose and a plan for your life, He knows how to pull you out and bring you to that place that you're used for His glory. Manan is such a man. And then we have Saul or Saul, who is what we would refer to later as Paul. These are the ones now whom God is putting together in this team of ministry. And it says here that they uh, ministered, verse 2, to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice this team comes together for the purpose of seeking God and the Holy Spirit speaks, now send forth Barnabas and Saul. I'm so glad that they sent them. You know, some folks went and other folks were sent. (laughs) Barnabas 
and Saul were sent to do the work of ministry. And it goes on to say, Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and they went their way. They laid hands on them, and they went their way. Some time ago, at a ministry not far from this church, located in Placer County, the Lord had allowed me to build a relationship with a pastor that has lasted to this day. And he said, I want to be your friend. I want to be connected to you. And our churches later would declare each other to be sister churches. Well, we decided to do sister church stuff. And one of the things we decided to do was to have a, 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 a men's fellowship and a women's fellowship. And we got together with about uh, our, our congregations both being large. We decided that we were going to just take a handful of men, maybe about 50 of their men and 50 of our men, 100 men, and we were going to go up into the hills of Lake Tahoe and just have a, a type of a community together, fellowship together, but also it was a means by which we could examine what was called racial reconciliation. And so everybody got in their cars and headed up to Lake Tahoe and going up the road. We were all, all the fellows were all excited because we were getting ready to go up and hang out together and talk about Jesus and talk about the Lord and talk about God things and so forth. And then when we got up there, they showed a movie called Brian's Song. Uh, and, and it was to help us to understand how to be sensitive to one another and the story of Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers and, and just really understanding how God wants to do these great things. And after they showed the movie and after we talked about what we were going to do for the three days, they opened up the mic. And they said, I, we want to have someone just to come and just start off this conference and just tell us what's on your heart. What's on your heart? And one guy from our church... Uh, he, he comes up to the mic and his name is Ron and Ron stands up at the mic and Ron's about 60 years old and he grabs the microphone and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, this is just great. I'm leaning over telling folks, this is wonderful. Mike is coming up and going to open up the meeting and we're going to start this meeting off right. And Mike gets up, he says, well, I don't really know why I'm here because I really don't like white people. And I was mortified. I'm like, oh my God, get me up out of here. I could not believe that in this spirit-filled setting that Ron was going to open us up with making a statement such as that. And yet, as we went on into the discussion those next three days, we found out that there were all types of misconceptions, all types of fears, all types of, frankly, prejudices on both sides that people who were in the church were struggling with. And, beloved, sadly, there are still many of us possibly in this room that have those same challenges. As we look today... I want to give us some teaching objectives to draw our minds into what the text is saying to us. And if you want to take note of this, our learning objectives are as follows. We want to review this text and its presentation of God's kingdom agenda. What is God saying to his people? Secondly, we want to expose the missteps or the misconceptions often associated 
with the subject of racial reconciliation. What are the misconceptions or the missteps often associated when we talk about racial reconciliation? Number three, we want to provide what we call or what I call factor points or applications to living out God's kingdom purpose through new and exciting connections. Let's begin. I believe that the kingdom purpose or the kingdom agenda facilitates what I call kingdom purpose teams, teams of ministry. I believe that what you all have here, among your staff, among your leaders, among the singers, the musicians, among the greeters, uh, those that work with the children, that work with the youth, the security, all that is here, I believe that what God has brought about in this place is a kingdom purposed team, a kingdom purposed team. But with that, I submit to you that if you're going to be a truly kingdom purpose team, you must embrace diversity. A true kingdom purpose team must be diverse, must have diversity, because the kingdom is that which is ministered to the people and not just ministered within the four walls of our church. But rather, the kingdom is to go forth and to draw people into the good news, the good news of the gospel. But that requires that we begin to look like the people. We look like those that we're called to serve. So a kingdom purpose team must have diversity, must experience, again, that openness to people who don't necessarily look like us but may look different or may have been raised different. An openness to that. Uh, Multi-ethnic, multi-generational, men and women serving together. All of that is important. Uh, Multi uh, uh, and diverse in social economic status. Uh, We're we're not all in that same uh, uh, economic condition. We, we must be open to that. There must never be within Bridgeway a place where rich folks sit and poor folks sit somewhere else. It, it has to be a place that embraces people with diversity. But then secondly, a, a kingdom purpose team must also be, watch this, prayerful. Prayerful. Did you catch when we read the text... Did you follow in the text that this team of individuals in Acts 13 were very diverse, very diverse. Not only were they diverse, but did you also follow along here that they were praying men? Notice here, they ministered to the Lord. They ministered to the Lord. That, that's, the, that's the whole ministry of prayer. Prayer is not merely petitioning God to do something for us. But rather, it's being in the presence of a loving and a caring God. And before you ask Him for anything, you're just saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I bless you. I glorify you for who you are. That, that's that ministry that takes place before the Lord. Not taking our list and saying, Lord, I want you to check my list, read it twice, find out if I'm naughty or nice. No, it's going up to God and saying, Lord, even if you didn't do one more thing for us, you've done enough. I could praise you from now until eternity. Ministry. Ministering to the Lord. I, I, I have to be quite honest with you all. I love the band here. 
I love the band. I can tell that this band loves to minister to the Lord. I mean, they're ministering to us, but you can tell they're getting happy all by themselves. (laughs) Do you hear me? I I was looking back at the guitar player back here. I mean, he was cutting that Chuck Berry move. I mean, he was just (laughs) gone. Just gone. Just praising God and magnifying God. The keyboardist. I mean, I thought he was going to electrocute himself up there. He was just playing and just ministering to God. A kingdom-purposed team is a team of people that understand the importance of diversity, but also the importance of prayer. Like Pastor Russ said, you can never have enough prayer. Never have enough prayer. But also, fourth, or third rather, third, not only were they diverse, not only were they prayerful, but notice here that a kingdom purpose team, such as the one in Acts 13, is also spirit led. Led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that God yet speaks to his church by a show of hands through his Holy Spirit? He speaks to us. He has sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us. So a kingdom purpose team must be diverse, must be prayerful, must be spirit-led. But here's something that I must tell you that I observe here. It must also be intentional with this identification. Let me say it again. A, a, A kingdom agenda team that is purposeful in its mission must be able to identify intentionally with others. I'm, I'm, I'm moved by the fact that your pastor, Pastor Lance, is one who is intentional about the things that he does. I, it reflects in you all. I can tell you're intentional. I, I've been with you this weekend, and I can tell that you all don't play church here. You're, you're very intentional about your doing. I, I mean, this place is a buzz 45 minutes before church even starts. Folks are moving. I mean, they're moving fast and they're putting the children where they need to be and they're signing up and they're making coffee and they're parking cars and you're doing this. And I'm saying, man, these folks are intentional. They act like they know what they've come to do. (laughs) And your pastor is the same way. Lance is the same way. I haven't known Lance long, but the time that I've known him, It's amazing to me how intent he is and at times how intense he is. (laughs) When I first met him a few months ago, we were at a pastor's meeting in which I was speaking. There was about 300 or so pastors that were at this luncheon and I was asked to share. And I did not know him. I didn't know him and I did not know Bridgeway. To be honest with you, my wife later shared with me, she had been up here for a women's conference and so forth. So she uh, shared with me later, in fact, within this weekend, she said, oh, they're just beautiful people and so forth. And I'm thinking to her, you kept this to yourself and didn't tell me about this? (laughs) And so I'm, I'm sitting at this conference or at this pastor's gathering and I'm speaking to the pastors and afterwards uh, we're just kind of mingling around and I'm talking to a few pastors that are standing around me and they're sharing with me and they're talking about how blessed they were with the teaching or whatever I shared that day. Well, Lance, he walks by me and he doesn't necessarily come up to me. 
He just kind of walks by me. He's standing about maybe six feet away from me. There's a crowd of folks that are standing near me. And he, you know, kind of tall and lanky, kind of looks over the heads. And as he looks over the heads of those that are standing next to me, just in a very non-assuming way, in a very cool fashion, Lance just turns around and says, I'm going to call you. That was it. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Just, I'm going to call you. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this man that's telling me he's going to call me? <laughs> well, guess what? He called me. He's very intentional about keeping his word and following up with me. And he says to me, when he calls, he says to me, I'm supposed to know you. I'm supposed to be connected to you. God is in this. There's a reason I'm supposed to have you in my life. And I'm supposed to be in your life. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, keep, keep talking because I really don't know who you are. And I don't know why you're calling me. But, you know, I'm checking them out. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He said, I'm supposed to know you. You're supposed to be in my life. I'm supposed to be in your life. I really like to get together with you. And I'm just listening. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he says, I'm willing to come where you are. Not you come where I'm at. But I'm willing to come where you are. Wherever you are. And I'm still like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I still don't know you. Then he, then he put the cherry on the dessert, and he says, and I'll pay for lunch. I said, I'm in. You know what I'm saying? I was like, that's all you had to say right there. You should have said that in the beginning. I would have been listening to the rest of what you said. He says, I will pay for lunch. And, beloved, we got together, and we had lunch based upon an intentional heart that wants to see God's will done in this region done in this city intentional see again a kingdom purpose team must be diverse must be prayerful must be spirit-led and must be intentional with identification let me set the record straight with a few things that i think will help us to grasp what we're sharing with you today number one setting the record straight there's only one race we talk about racial reconciliation we talk about the races Whatever, they, whatever we perceive them to be, the races. But, beloved, there is only one race, and that's the human race. That's it. That's it. There's only one race. Yes, there is diversity in ethnicity. There is diversity in culture. Yes, all of that must, and I will elaborate in a moment, must be embraced as well. But when we speak of race, there's only one race. The human race. First Peter 2.9 tells us these words. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. How many people by a show of hands are glad that God brought you out of darkness? Into this marvelous family into this marvelous light that is made up of all different types of hues, all different types of people, multi-generational. He has brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light who once were not a people, but now the people of God. Now we are 
the people of God. There's only one race. But secondly, we are all created in the image of a marvelous God. Every one of us are created in the image of a God who does everything and does it well. Does it right. You're looking at someone standing before you that has not always known that about himself. I did not always know that I was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You see, I was raised up in an environment in which my parents moved into Foothill Farms, uh, not far from here, Foothill Farms. They were one of the first African-American families to purchase a house in 1969 off of Hillsdale and Madison Avenue. And when we moved over into that area, not only we were the first African-American family there, we were one of the first families of color totally in that area. And I can tell you about the mean things that people said. I can tell you about the cars of the high school kids while I was in elementary school riding by and stopping their car and saying little mean stuff and spitting on me and so forth. I can tell you about the looks that I got and, and how they were telling me to go back to Africa. And I had never been to Africa. And they were telling me all of these things that were just mean and and just nasty and so forth. And I had all the reasons to become bitter within my own heart because I recognized listening to the stories of my grandfather who my grandfather's mother would be my great-grandmother was born a slave. Was born a slave. My great-grandmother born a slave in this country, in South Carolina. My grandfather, who lived to be 113 years old, died in 1982. Died in 19... My grandfather, not my great-grandfather. My grandfather, who died in 1982 at the age of 113, told me stories of how there were injustices that took place. I remember hearing them. And I had all of these reasons to become bitter. All of these reasons to hate. All of these reasons to be mad. But beloved, when you experience the reality of Jesus Christ, when the Lord comes in your life, hear me and hear me well, there is a change. There is a transformation that comes with having God in your life. And I looked one day in the mirror, and I remember saying, as I looked in the mirror, literally a standing dressing mirror in the house, I looked in that mirror, and I said, with my darkened skin, with my glasses looking as thick as Coca-Cola bottles, as I turned around and looked at my full lips, I said, man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God does not make anything ugly. Hallelujah. And you need to know that about yourself. Stop letting people box you in telling you, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're not tall enough, you don't have any hair, you need more hair, you ain't got teeth, you need new teeth. Whatever the case is, don't let anybody tell you anything different than what God says about you. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you is what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. But thirdly, may I share this with you? And this is probably one of the most important aspects that I must share you in setting the record straight. If you're going to have kingdom connectivity in this house, that folks, please do not fall into the misconception 
that in order to do ministry, we have to be one great big melting pot. Let's just be one big melting pot. In other words, let's just bring everything together and let's just melt it all away. And let's just, and, and, and we mean well when we say that. We're just a melting pot. We mean well. But in essence, when you say we're a melting pot, you are denying what is unique about me as a person, my culture, my family, my story. There's something unique about my people. There's something unique about your family origin. So when we say we're a melting pot, all of that just gets washed away. I submit to you, beloved, that we should not merely be a melting pot. In fact, I suggest that we not be a melting pot, but rather a stew. (laughs) Because with a stew, anybody who knows how to cook in the house, if you're going to have a good stew, you've got to have some carrots. You've got to have some potatoes. You've got to have some tomatoes. Got to put a little glove of garlic up in there as well. There's some other stuff. You got to put onions up in there. There's things you got to do. But you know, when you bring the ingredients together, the carrot, it stays a carrot. The tomato, it stays a tomato. The potato, it stays a potato. But what happens? You put it into the pot and you let it stew together. You let it simmer together and it creates something that is powerful. Something that is good. Something that is unique. That's what God wants here in Bridgeway. He wants a stew up in here. (laughs) Hallelujah. He wants a stew in the house. So that people that when they come here, they're like the woman who goes to the Mervyn cell and puts her face up against the glass. But when they look in, they can see people that look like them. They can see women and men who look like them. People of different ethnicities don't feel the need if they've moved here that they've got to drive all the way to church in Oak Park because they can come here and have some good church and be touched by the love and the power of God. See, people are not drawn to this place because you put a welcome sign on the door. That's not what draws them here. What draws them here is that there are welcoming arms and welcoming smiles and people who are not afraid to touch other people and to connect with other people. That's what draws them here. And by the way, that's what keeps them here. Let me close with this thought then. I believe that this is a team of people that God has brought together much like this. And every day God is adding more color to the room. More color to the community. And you can't be afraid of that. The fact of point is basically this. That God is here and he wants us to change our hearts. And be so open to building new and healthy relationships. And as we do, we begin to expand and to grow. And as we begin to expand and grow, we find that our capacity for more of what God wants to do comes into play. It's going to stretch you. Trust me. It's going to stretch you to be able to go into your community and reach out to people who look different than you. 
and say, I welcome you into my heart, into my life. It's going to stretch you. I'm being stretched to get on an airplane after 9-11. And when I see people who come from the Middle East in origin, getting on the plane, their, their, their family origin is from the Middle East, not to stretch my neck nervously if they get up just to go to the bathroom and think, what are they doing? Where are they going? They're, they're going to the bathroom. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're going to the bathroom. It, it, it becomes necessary for me to check my own prejudices, my own fears, so that I can stretch, so that I can hold more capacity for God's love, more capacity for God's plan, more capacity for God's agenda in my life. The other option is just to stay tight and close and have church at Bridgeway all by ourselves. Hope we can open our hearts for everyone that God has to be a part of this family. God knows. He understands our fears. But that means you might have to step out and make some friends, invite somebody to lunch, and pay for it. And God is able, I believe, to take our hearts and transform our hearts into a radical outreach that's beyond our comfort zone. I believe that with all my heart. Let me tell you, by the way, Ron, who I mentioned earlier, he uh, went to be with the Lord about six years ago, five years ago. But I need to finish the rest of the story. We went through the three days up at that camp with the hundred men. By the time we got through with the last day, the last thing we had to do was have communion together. God had done such a work in that meeting among those men of healing and openness that after we had communion, it was moved upon us to wash one another's feet. And the most beautiful image I saw was I looked across the room and the last person to reach for a basin of water to go to another brother who was across from the other church to wash their feet was Ron. He was washing the feet of a white man. And the white man turned and washed Ron's feet. And there were tears in Ron's eyes. And one of the last things that Ron said to me before he transitioned to go to heaven, which would be about, uh, about six months after that took place, he said to me, the greatest thing that has happened in my life besides receiving the Lord is that God healed me of racism. God healed me of racism. Bridgeway, you got some work to do. Got some folks to reach. Next time I come up here, you better have had some folks to show. <laughs> Thank God for the ones that are here, but you got more to do. Ain't no tokens in the house. Talk to me, somebody. <laughs> Glory to God. Don't just get happy. We got two. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father. We love you. We bless you. You're putting together a wonderful, wonderful team. A kingdom, agenda, purpose team in this house.
I'm so thankful. I love my brother Lance. Thank you for a man of vision. Thank you for a house of diversity, a house of prayer for all people, a house that is led by your spirit. And thank you for a house that is intentional with identity. Thank you. These folks will lay hands on other people and they will say, as you go, we go. And we bless you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.